This is Poured Over, a show about stories presented by the booksellers of Barnes & Noble. I'm Jenna Siri, a bookseller and associate producer of Poured Over, and today I'm very excited to be joined by Jeff Tweedy. I know that you are familiar with the incredible amount of music he has put out for us in the world, with bands like Uncle Tuplo and Wilco and as himself. And he's the author of some incredible books, How to Write One Song and Let's Go So We Can Get Back. But now his newest book is World Within a Song, and it is a collection of his favorite songs, how they changed his life, and some great memories along the way as well. So thanks so much for being with us, Jeff. Thanks for having me. So you've always been out here making music. You've now moved into the world of books. And you've put out two already, one on your life, one on songwriting. At what moment were you like, you know what, I have another book in me and there's one more I want to write? I think that uh, maybe when I finished the last book, How to Write One Song, that book felt so good to finish. And it felt like getting to write about something I really think about a lot. I mean, the, the memoir is really a, a strange form. To, you know, for a book, especially for somebody living a life I'm hopefully not anywhere near finishing, <laughs> you know. By the time I finished the second book, I guess I, I think I started to really enjoy the process and started trying to think of a, another book that maybe would be fun to write. And you play with form for a book in this as well. I mean, you've got like 50 songs that you lay out for us. And then you've got these sections interspersed that you call them your rememories and that they are anecdotes and pieces from your life. And they range from funny to heartbreaking and all sorts of things in between. How did you know you wanted to sort of create this method and this model of a book? You know, this the style of rememories in particular, I kind of started writing like that. That was maybe the original idea for this book. Um, before it started focusing around other people's songs. And that's inspired by the author David Markson and the way he writes. I don't really pretend to come anywhere near the masterful sentence construction that David Markson has in his books. But the shape of it, the form of it, is uh, is a series of books. I think there's four of them, Reader's Block. This is not a novel. I think I can't remember the other two. A vanishing point. And anyway, his books incorporate these really small sentences, really short paragraphs, and they they really propel you along. I really like reading his books for that per for that reason. There's like um, there's just such a momentum to it. At some point, when you finish reading his books, and I've reread and reread his books quite a bit, uh, you start thinking in those types of sentences and. I just started writing down some of my own memories, kind of emulating that style. I mean, there's some very interesting moments, and I think they give a glimpse into this long life that really reflects not only just the moments where you're like, oh, this is the music that affects me, but it shows the way that music has really always been connected to your life. It's not just these are songs I like. It's these are songs, sometimes you don't even really love them, but they had an impact on you. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, honestly, I think that a very similar book could have been written out from 50 different songs. 
the individual memories would be different, but the I think the point would be the same, and that is that songs are really, really good at absorbing our memories and 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 our personalities and reflecting back to us a deeper understanding of who we are or you know uh they certainly help us remember things that otherwise i think would be difficult to recall with such vivid detail uh, these songs are just really really personal unique forms of art I don't know i i just i love songs and i think that that um i guess the point is everybody has their own relationship with a song nobody's version of a song is the same you know like we can all listen to the newest whatever uh you know taylor swift's song and we're all going to put it together in our memories uh in a slightly different way and over time our relationship with it is going to become so unique that I really think it's a different, I think it's a different thing for everybody. Definitely. I mean, one of the first songs you talk about, it might be the first song, is Smoke on the Water, which I think like a lot of people out there have a relationship to that song, whether it's good or annoying or bad or what have you. But it really started me into thinking like, what are some of those first songs that you remember connecting to? And I think you talk about something really interesting right away about identity that, you know, I, I'm also from the Midwest. And I think that there's like a very, like, sometimes homogenous way of existing. And you talk about how, at, at a, for a while, the only way to sort of show your identity was by what music you were listening to, and how that sort of started to shape you very early on. I had like a really similar, I remember once I, we were all supposed to like bring our favorite songs to school and I brought like Voodoo by Godsmack um, because that's what I was listening to at home, yeah. much to my parents' uh, sadnesses. But, you know, I think that those really early identity forming moments, they start to put us on a path. Yeah, for sure. There's something really interesting about being asked to pick a song that represents us and then the vulnerability that you feel like in a circumstance like that. I bet you were, you know, it equal parts exhilarated to play something so aggressive as a representation of who, you know, the shape you saw yourself in. And then also a little bit scared, I would have bet, uh, to, to reveal that much of yourself. And then that's really fascinating that someone else's art could reveal so much about yourself. Uh, and I, that's kind of, I think that's another one of the main points of the book. I imagine, too, for someone who creates music to be able to say, these are the songs that helped create me, and then to know what that would feel like, I guess, as a musician, to have someone else say that about your work. I'm sure it puts a lot of weight into like these choices you make. And like you said, I'm sure that you could have written this book 50 times over with a unique 50 sets of songs, but putting it all out there together, it's a vulnerable thing. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think I've always been a little bit overconfident in my uh, sharing. <laughs> uh, in the combination of extremely vulnerable and and also maybe a little deluded and, and uh, oblivious to the dangers of being an overshare or, or, or welcoming so much perceived scrutiny. I guess I just don't see how my experience can... Uh, be that unique 
I guess. On one hand, that's a really solipsistic way of looking at the world, pretty myopic. I don't mean it like that. I don't mean like everybody is like me. I just mean that uh, I guess if I'm able to identify some way that I've interacted with the world and existed in the world, the likelihood is that there are many other people that have similar uh, experience. And I think it is an, the music in so many ways for so many people is the easiest thing to relate to. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever met anyone who doesn't have a favorite song or a favorite band. I'm sure that they have to exist, but I maybe just have avoided them. I think Psycho. that, e <laughs> yeah, I think that even though your 50 songs are not the same as mine and there were a lot of music that I didn't know, but at the same time, as you were explaining the experiences and why you felt the way about those songs, I could easily point to five songs in my own life that I was like, I know that feeling because I've listened to blank. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think that's beyond whatever high aspirations I would have had for the writing the book, but now that it's written and people have been reacting to it, I feel really good about the, that, that I keep getting that feedback that it's like a jumping off point. It's like the book isn't really finished when you finish it because uh, it creates some sort of, uh, internal, I don't know, dialogue. It's like it's a being written in this in the negative space inside of the reader, which is kind of the way songs work too, which is pretty pretty amazing. I didn't intend to do that. I'm not smart enough to do that. <laughs> but I think it's it, a lot a lot of people have told me that that like you read it and you read my my um uh, you know, a story that I relate to a certain song and 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 inevitably makes people start to think about songs in their life in that same way. I think literature, like good writing and a good song run really parallel in that like you can experience them by yourself, but at the same time, they're always acts of community. They're always a dialogue around what is a good song and how does it make you feel and what is a good book and how does it make you feel? I think when they find that point where they meet, it just really brings sort of two groups of people together into what is going to be a great conversation. Yeah, that's one of the unique qualities of songs and books books have a much longer history uh that we can touch and experience than music i mean there's music that's been written probably since humans have existed or are performed or maybe not written it hasn't been written for very long the documentation is is harder to come by than old very old books for example it is a really unique thing to be reminded that someone else existed in another period and, and, and another, uh, it was a moment that this happened. And it's really great to remind yourself of those connections to the past and to other humans and to the, the desire to reach out, you know, and make this connection. The, like the desire to write, the desire to sing. I think that it's all good, good stuff. I don't think it hurts anybody. <laughs> I think especially some of your descriptions of like moments where you saw music performed live and, you know, as also someone who performs live music, like, I know we lost some of that time during COVID, but I think those really like crystal clear depictions of that moment where you're like listening to a song live for the first time and maybe you don't even know it yet, but you know it's going to be something that connects to you or a band that connects to you. Those are moments where I think even from any kind of music you listen to, 
once you have that experience, you just know it. And you really capture that those some of those moments well of, oh, nice. oh this is how it feels. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Fans are a lived example, I think. I think that, I know I've always been fascinated with like towns that have scenes, music scenes. So, like, how does that happen? And I think it's just, there's uh, a model behavior that just happens to begin with one band or some, like maybe they got it from an older brother or maybe they just like really curious about the world and reached out beyond the borders of the small town and figured out, you know, a way to do something. And then there's 10 other bands almost immediately because the, that behavior is easy to, to, uh, to emulate. And, 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 and it, and it looks like a good strategy, you know, for taking, taking your care of yourself and so having something to do, you know? Absolutely. Something also from your book that I really like had a weird nostalgia for that the world isn't quite the same for anymore is this idea of like the radio in general and finding new music on the radio and having to like copy it down. There was a radio station that was local to me that every like Sunday night would play an entire new album and I would just like wait and listen because I would need to know what that was going to be. And I think sort of that discovery and that wonder, like I love streaming and having everything accessible at all times is perfect, but sometimes I think a little bit of that mystery is gone. Yeah. I'm always really careful not to be an old person, you know, saying sure. doom and gloom about new technology. Uh, I think it right. all comes at a price. And I also think it all comes with new possibilities. And one door closes and another one opens that you, we, we can't foresee, maybe even. But I do tend to believe that there was something beautiful about not just radio, but also buying records before you heard them, uh, which it doesn't really happen anymore, I don't think, very often. Um, maybe some people still do that, but they're probably my age, you know, like save, the, save hearing it for when they finally have the physical product or something. But that's another way that, that the art gets integrated into the person and into the perception of self that somebody might have. Because then there's an investment, there's a you've actually put time and and some you know and back in the past money you know and you actually put some of your hard-earned money on uh betting on this thing and that t tended to create uh from my experience and i've talked to a lot of other people my age and uh, like you would have to give us a record a lot more chances to to reach you and and the fact is a lot of music requires that requires a certain uh commitment to really sit down and understand it and wrap your head around it it's not always immediate and i know that some of the most important records to me are records that i did not like at first you know they they were very hard won i don't know if that happens as much i think that that is also such a like that's another great parallel for books and you know there's a there's books we read when we're like 15 years old and they just do not work for us and you can come back to it later in life and be like oh yeah wait actually I just wasn't like in the right space or I didn't know enough yet and it's I feel the same thing about music I mean there's so many great 
incredible bands and songs that when I was younger or the first time I heard it, I was like, no, that is just never going to be for me. And then it hits you at a different point in your life and you're like, what was I thinking? I have made a terrible mistake. Uh -huh. Absolutely. I think most like, uh, like most canonical literature is prescribed to people that aren't ready for it. <laughs> Especially like the, you know, the idea of Western, you know, classical Anglo-Saxon works. Most kids today, my age even, you know, and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe before my generation, I don't know, were more worldly or their educations were better or something like that. I just feel like most people get books when they're not ready for them. They're not like they have, don't have enough life experience for them. I don't know that it's that much different for a lot of records. I think that a lot of records come at people before they've built the base level of, of living, an understanding of living to relate to them, you know? Right. And I think like, I can think there's definitely a lot of songs that I could not have related at all to the lyrics, like terribly sad breakup songs or like, you know, just like really intense things that I was, you know, a kid and listening to. But because the musicality of it is so good, you still connect to it in such a way. And then you come back later and you're like, I was like seven years old singing about some man yeah. that left me. I didn't know. Yeah, I like I have one of those in the book with uh, Bob Dylan. Don't think twice. It's all right. You know, like what? <laughs> what, what, like, uh, I really felt that song in my bones and had you know, never been anywhere or done anything or kissed a girl. Or, you know, it's a really strange phenomenon. I think, though, if there's anyone who's going to like get into your soul like that, Bob Dylan is absolutely at the top of that list. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he was able to tap into some ancestral memory or something like that. And that exists in any any way in our DNA, I would imagine. I personally kind of think that it has to somehow. We are born knowing maybe a little bit more than, than we know we know. And I think that music accesses like very primal parts of us as humans and hits like parts of our lizard brain that is beyond just what we know and what we can like prescribe into words. And so sometimes there are those songs that you're like, I, I could never and will never have really felt this and yet you feel it i mean music is is scientifically good <laughs> you know like there's, there's really really pleasant combinations of notes and you can't um, really account for it but it's just humans here in a certain spectrum uh and a certain our app our sensory apparatus is really really tickled to get like these kernels of sound that make us happy and you know like it's just pretty incredible stuff it is and i think it's hard to write about music because it is such a different sense for a lot of people but i think for someone as immersed in it as you are it probably comes off a little bit differently but how does it feel to write about music versus performing it on stage or you know writing songs does it hit a different place in your brain I mean, in a lot of ways, I think it's, I mean, before I was, I've, I've really was passionate about records and, and music before I was an, a musician. I uh, was what led me to see myself in that shape and want to be that. But before that, I thought about it a lot and, and cared enough to read about it a lot. And so I, I 
kind of think it's the most natural state for me is to not critique necessarily. I don't have that much interest in that. I'm just fascinated with the the connections and how how things do what they do, how how songs do what they do. I think that we I would say like we need more books about this, but I also am like I think it's also very easy to maybe write not badly about music. I think there's a lot of people who write without passion about music. I think that it's something that when you know, you know, just the same as you know when a song comes from a place of emotion and passion, that when you read that writing, you know it as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, we have a lot of theories of why that would be, that would people have a difficult time um, explaining music to somebody. First of all, I mean, it's just that sentence sounds ridiculous. If you know, if you could tell somebody a melody, you wouldn't need a record, or I mean, wouldn't need a song. I mean, I've said that a million times, but it's also probably a cliche from a thousand years. You know, it's just like it's some some combination of of a melody and lyrics that come something else. But so there's a lot. I think there's a lot of insecurity uh, in the way people approach writing about music. On one hand, they probably, if they've chosen to write about music, have absorbed so much music that it is part of their the way they see themselves and their identity, too. So there's some desire to protect that and not be thought of as dumb or not having, you know, like, I think there's a lot of barriers to writing about it in a pure sense. In the spirit that it's really created, you know, in the spirit that music is created, I think, in general. I think it's hard, about, hard to write about it in that same spirit. I think also something interesting that gets applied to both music and literature is this idea of authenticity, like who is allowed to write about it, who's, who has like an authentic voice in a subject. I think sometimes people worry maybe also that someone's going to say, you don't get to write about this because you haven't done this, this, and this. But I think for something like music, all you need to do is like listen to music. And I think you have the authenticity you need. Yeah, there are definitely gatekeepers to the authenticity of artists in the music world. You know, weigh people against each other uh, for their bona fides, <laughs> for, especially in like the type of music I've been somewhat associated with a lot in my life, roots music or, you know, uh, country, you know country music, folk music. That tends to narrow people's perceptions of who's allowed. I stopped worrying about authenticity a long, long time ago. I actually, it's just really a simple revelation. I just thought that the people that I most enjoy listening to um, and were most moved by discovering uh, sound like they don't care about, and there's like, there's no failure possible because the act is so pure in and of itself. Um, like you, they couldn't be aware of, of an image or a persona or, you know, something like that. And I don't know, that really kind of set me free from those types of concerns. As far as who's allowed in conversations like that, I've, I'm a believer in, in imagination. And I think you should encourage people to empathize with each other with their imaginations and fantasize about who they can be and what especially young people, be given the freedom to, to 
envision themselves as anything. I agree. I mean, I think there's so much like potential and I see the like new crops of people, new artists coming up, creating some really incredible things. And sometimes, you know, someone like Billie Eilish, who you mentioned, and, you know, when I first heard of her, she was literally a kid and thinking like, wow, there are still these kids that are coming up and are creating this incredible music. And for all the, you know, maybe feeling old saying and being like, get off my lawn about, you know, records or the radio. At the same time, there's still so much potential and it's so exciting to watch like new groups and new people create. Yeah, absolutely. And there are some of them I just, I can't quite grasp because they're, they're basing their communication on a, a language that I haven't learned. You know, like they, they've, they've heard a whole different subset of music that I don't have the, uh, the background in to, to hear where it's coming from and what, you know, sometimes it breaks through. Somebody like Billie Eilish, I think I probably respond to it because there's a curiosity that's very evident in her music and her brother's music that they are extremely curious about a similar set of cross section of records. And then beyond that, you know, like, I don't know, you can really hear that they've listened to old jazz records and, 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 and hip hop and, and current pop music. And so it's all mixed up in a way that's really appealing to me. Definitely. There's always someone who's ready to sort of teach you a little bit more and push a little bit more, which is exciting in music. But I have to ask also, I mean, you talked a little bit about how you had to narrow it down to these songs, 50. It's a nice number. Couldn't really do 52 or 50. You had to stick to 50 for the, for the vibes. But if you could just put like one more song on there, do you know what it would be if you had to pick just one more? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it can be uh, whatever you'd pick today, either to, you know, not every day it could change, but. Yeah. I mean, when I immediately, I mean, when I really got the sense that the book was completely finished and I'd read the audio version version of it, I really started mourning the, the, the uh, omission of like, Dozens and dozens of songs uh, just started automatically coming to me. I don't think there's a, a Neil Young song in there, which is kind of crazy omission. I think that would be, I mean, I could pick almost any Neil Young song too. Do you have like a huge master list that you whittled down or was it more like as you were writing it, it was just kind of coming up organically, especially with those pieces mixed in. I was wondering like, did you write it in order or did you sort of, cause it is also vaguely chronological. So like, did you write it in order or was it more like I'm going to piece together this like a puzzle? All of the above. I mean, I had a list that I would refer to if I got stuck, but for the most part, I tried to just follow my instincts. When I, I like, when I would finish writing one essay, I would try and uh, respond to it by a lot of times when you're writing, when I would be writing one, I would think of another song while I was writing one. And I would try and just go go from there to there because that, that you know, that felt organic to me. You know, and, and if I got stuck, I would refer to this list of, you know, artists and songs that I, I, I thought I wanted to include. It got re rearranged a little bit, but there is 
some, I think, through through uh, a construction as to how it was written and how it ended up. You know, um, I, I think that's most evident to me when I read it out loud because uh, I feel like the writing gets better <laughs> as it goes. I feel like I feel like I, by the end of the book, I'm like, God, I wish I could have written the first part of the book in this way. But uh, I think it's all pretty much the same voice. Yeah, definitely. There's such a fun, like, you, it really feels like you're in conversation with the reader of like, sit down, I'm going to tell you about some music. And it's going to be a fun conversation. Especially, I think the part that I couldn't get over the most was um, thinking that your cousin wrote a very famous song, (laughs) which is something that I think, yeah, happens in a lot of like, before we knew all of the music and you'd just have like one family member who plays one song over and over and you're like, I'm pretty sure that maybe that's just their song. Right. Yeah. I think um, a lot of our, our extended families have amateur musicians that, that have learned a handful of songs and, and, you know, it tends to be a fun thing to break out at a barbecue or, you know, any kind of like a Christmas party or something like that, you know. I shared that with my cousin Bebo. It really made him very, very happy. I'm glad. I mean, cousin Bebo's got some great music taste, it seems. I also have to know, I mean, we talked a little bit about books that, you know, are important to you earlier, but what are some of the books that have sort of made you the reader and writer that you are today? We've talked a lot about music, but I got to bring it home for BN and talk about books too. I really have been, a li- I think, a little bit self-conscious about my education most of my life because I, I, I was really very curious about the world, but not particularly good at school. And so I, at an early age, I... I think I've always really loved books. I've loved reading, um, but in an early age, when it really became obvious that I was that that academia wasn't going to pan out for me, I think I took it upon myself to start reading um, the classics and and stuff that I I really didn't want to be the only person that did, didn't know those com- the, um, I don't know what the conversation was about. A lot of my very favorite books are are old, like classic. You know, Don Quixote, um, Moby Dick. Um, I like a lot of the sort of experimental fiction writers from the 70s, like Robert Coover and William H. Gass is probably my favorite author of all time. And it's mostly because of the books that he turned me on to in his literary criticism. He has much more to offer for me. Um, I, I mean, I, I read his, you know, the not, uh, the tunnel's extremely difficult, um, and Omen Sutter's luck and, and other books of his that were fiction and collections of fiction. But the, the, the reason I always bring him up is because, uh, this book was actually titled after, um, in loosely after one of his books, the world within the word, I think is what it's called or something like similar title. And those books really opened up literature for me and, and were like the best teacher. I never, you know, like I never really just 
I never really developed that connection with a really great teacher. So it wasn't so much critiquing, it was investing and living through and living in literature and explaining how that's done and what it takes to not take apart somebody else's book, but to, to fully enjoy it, you know? Um, so I would, I would say those books are probably the most important to me. And I think that's sort of feels right for how this book ends up in that you are not critiquing these songs and you're not, you know, saying a judgment on them, but you are analyzing them in reference to your own life. And I think that that is something that people are really going to respond to and really going to understand. And I have to ask also, uh, are there more books in you? Do we get more of the uh, Jeff Tweedy literary universe? We'll see. I mean, it, it really depends on how well the book does, you know? I think, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy doing it. And if somebody gives me another opportunity to write a book, I probably will take it because it's a bit of a painful process. It's not, not, not that easy. And you can really regret it that you've committed to it in the middle of it. Um, but there's a really satisfying feeling finishing a book and, and certainly having these conversations about something I've written are, are, are gratifying because, um, that's what it is. It's what it's supposed to be. It's like beginning of a conversation, not the end of one, I think. Absolutely. Well, selfishly, I hope that there's more because I, I am curious to see. I mean, you, still, you could do another 50 songs for the rest. <laughs> you know, I'm just throwing that out there. But thank you so much for joining us today. I've had such a great time talking about music and about World Within a Song. And I can't wait for readers to get their hands on it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Nice talking to you. Thank you for listening. Poured Over is a Barnes & Noble production. To help other readers find us, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts.